And we are live. Thank you for tuning in. It's going to be a great show. It's a Sunday. It's a beautiful day. And uh, I'm exhausted. I was up half the night reading Hunter S. Thompson's Songs of the Doomed. Now, if you're not familiar with Hunter S. Thompson, he's the author of Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, Curse of Lono, The Rum Diary, Hell's Angels, The Great Shark Hunt, wrote tons of amazing articles for Rolling Stone Magazine, Scanlon, Atlantic Monthly, and he was one of the premier writers of our time, along with Paul Thoreau, J. Martin Troost, <clears throat> Jody Pickle, Irma Bombeck. There's so many. Tom Robbins. If you're not familiar with any of those names, you definitely need to get on the train and get down to the nearest used bookstore or barnesandnoble.com, Amazon, the library, Get a library card, become acquainted because they'll open your mind in a thousand different directions. So I'm sitting there, I'm reading uh, Songs of the Doomed, and in the section of the Iguana Project, I get to the the uh, <clears throat> the part where he's talking about the Nixon campaign of 68. Now, Richard Milhouse Dick Nixon and I had somewhat of a run-in a few years ago. <clears throat> I was about 10 or 11 um, when I was a kid. My father used to take me to sporting events, Nick games, Yankee games, Ranger games. And I loved to go into these arena live uh, uh, games. I love the sound of the crowd, the smells, the music, the cheerleaders, the energy. I, I loved it all. It was gripping. I still do. And so here, here, here I am as this young awkward, completely wired little boy sitting there chugging Coca-Cola because the only time I could ever drink Coca-Cola was when I was at like a ball game and I would go all out. So I'm sitting there. My dad nudges me. Hey, look over there. I look over like one or two sections over is like an empty section except for one individual sitting right in the middle of it. There's an old man sitting there in a suit very expensive suit. Surrounding him, surrounding the section were about five young men wearing gray suits, sunglasses, and earpieces. Secret Service, obviously. <clears throat> and my dad's like, that there, that's that's a former president of the United States, Richard Nixon. You know, as a kid, and you're like, wow. You know, that's the real thing. You associate presidents with George Washington and Abe Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, the guys on the, on, the, on the coins and the paper currency, the ones you see in the textbooks. They're bigger than life. This is flesh and blood. This is a real one, a living one, breathing just like you and me. I was, I was mesmerized. I couldn't even concentrate on the game. I just like observed this old man sitting there. And um, I, at, you know, being the young... Uh, Coca-Cola chugging child that I was and having the bladder the size of a peanut I would have to pee like 14 times an hour so at one point I get up and I'm racing down to the bathroom because when you're that age you can't hold it and I use it and I'm coming back walking up the stairs and the light bulb goes on in my head I'm going to go meet I'm going to shake the hand of the President of the United States and then I'm going to go to school the next day and I'm going to tell everyone about it. Everyone's going to know that I met a real life president. 
and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the talk of the whole school. All the girls are gonna hear about it. They're all gonna buy me Waffy Taffy from the from the corner store. They're all gonna buy me ice cream from the malt shop. I'm gonna get first in line at the Mortal Kombat arcade game. This is gonna be awesome. So I'm walking up the stairs and I have, you know, I, my mind is made up. <clears throat> I'm going over and I'm going to shake the hand of the President of the United States, former President Richard Dick Milhouse Nixon. Now, <clears throat> when I was 11, I was like this gangly, awkward, pale, clumsy child. And I looked more like a praying mantis coming up these steps than an actual human being. You know, the Secret Service tensed immediately. It was like incoming threat. The guy to the right, he was already starting to stand up, clutching the, uh, the arm of the seat in one, ar- in one hand. The other hand was like on his taser, kind of diagonal across the section was another one. He was already standing up, gripping a baton. I could see like the veins of his wrist coming out from under the cuff. <clears throat> you know... Destination, Nixon. I'm going to get there. I'm going. Nothing's stopping me. All of a sudden, this arm shoots out in front of me. And I saw it. But being the clumsy kid that I was, I couldn't stop on a dime. I would have fallen over, my, tripped over my feet. Instead, I walk right into this thing. Wham! Like walking into a Parisian light post. Cast iron. I mean, it did not move. My legs buckled. The oxygen in my lungs was immediately expelled. My little hands could barely grip these gigantic forearms. And I look over, and it's this young Arnold Schwarzenegger-looking, square-haired boy, man, child, with like a chiseled face with no expression whatsoever. The dude was immensely strong. I mean, I literally was like hanging there off this guy's arm, (laughs) trying to catch my bearings. Where do you think you're going, son? I'm going to meet the president of the United States. Like hell you are. Go back to your seat and go that way. No, I'm going to go meet the president. So I guess it was the Coca-Cola and the sugar racing through my, my body. I figured... This rent-a-cop is not going to stop me. I'm, I'm getting up there. <clears throat> You're not a real Secret Service agent. All the real ones are with the real president. You little bastard. <laughs> so I'm manhandled back into the aisle from off the stairs. 29,000 people gasping. The president is busy. Go back to your seat. No, he's not. I'm walking over there. He's sitting there, cross-legged. He hasn't moved even his pinky in about an hour. <clears throat> and uh, and Nixon, not one time while I'm being mangled in the aisle, did he even glimpse, take, he didn't even look over at me. Not once. I'm almost directly in front of him. He was looking over my right shoulder. He was the only person in the entire arena, and that includes the food concessions people, that weren't watching what was going on, you know. I'm surprised it didn't make, you know, page six of the New York Post. I mean, I was just being, uh, it it was causing such a stir 
in the stadium. Like the ball players on the court were watching. And uh, at some point, I finally ran out of energy, you know, 80 pounds, zero muscle. I gave up. The Secret Service agent, like, kicked me down the aisle, back to my seat, you know. And uh, I made my way, uh, rejected, slightly embarrassed, twitching from, you know, expending that much energy that I wasn't used to doing. And uh, violated. (laughs) I get back to my seat. The look at my dad's face is priceless. You know, I couldn't believe. I don't know. Who the hell are you? You (laughs) I sat down. Everyone, people were like turned around looking up, you know, looking at me, sweating. And uh, my dad's like, eat your pizza. (laughs) So that was my encounter with Dick Nixon, who. I did not get to shake, uh, you know, I didn't get to shake his hand at the end of the day. Very disappointed. And um, anyway, so that was uh, that reading reading the Hunter Thompson uh, piece brought me back to that time. And um, speaking of Hunter Thompson, who is also a July birthday, like myself, he's July 18th, I'm July 22nd. All of us July people... We, it's like ESP. We all, we all know each other. You know, there's this camaraderie amongst July birthdays, amongst the cancers that no other month shares. And you hear about this with other July birthdays. Like you can walk into a room and you can look across the room and you can see a July birthday and they'll look over and it's like immediate connection, you know. Bang, bang. It's like, yeah, you're cool. <clears throat> we definitely w- would get along. We'll talk. We'll talk later. I like make my way through the room. I'll, I'll maneuver my way over so I can talk. And it's not strained conversation. It's not that weird small talk. It's like... It's the... It's... It's hard to explain. I mean, sorry, there was like a uh, a weird, a weird uh, glitch thing. You, you know, there, it. You just kind of get you fall into it, and uh, and that's what happens. Uh, even with the writing, like I'll read writers. I knew the first time I picked up a Hunter Thompson book back in like two thousand and. Uh, 2000 maybe maybe it was even in night in the late 1990s i walked into a barnes and noble one day i saw the rum diary on the shelf i don't know why i picked it up i don't know what it was i picked it up and i, I remember i read like the first page i was immediately hooked i was like wow this guy's awesome this is great stuff <clears throat> and uh, that was it i mean we're, we're all like you know peas from from the same pot, if you will, a stupid cliche, but it's it's the truth in a way. I, you always know, you always know, and uh, the uh, so of course I had to go onto the computer, and I, I was feeling curious, and I pull up the uh, personality traits of July-born individuals. Now you have to be you have to be a little bit careful about that sometimes because 
um, you know, you could have some November birthday or some March birthday who's trying to dissect the July. There's no way. They, there's no way they can fully understand, right? So they come up with really weird stuff. They're probably, you know, their ex is is a July birthday. So, of course, they have nothing good to say. And uh, so I pulled up, like, the asterisk.com. Just out of out of the blue, a random one. Never heard of them before, but I figured, why not? Let's see what they have to say. Right off the bat, um, we get, listen to this. This is, this is frightening. Oh, yeah. July, July borns are moody. Okay, I can see that. They're prone to mood swings and are unpredictable. Yeah, sometimes. Their mood is heavily influenced by the moon's fluctuations. Maybe that's why I don't sleep. Maybe that's why I sleep three hours a night. I'm up all night long. Pacing. I'll sit out on the deck at like three o'clock in the morning. I don't think I've had a full night's sleep in 25 years. Truly. You know, maybe the full moon uh, influences me in, in, in more ways than I, than I realize. But uh, <clears throat> that was kind of interesting. I had never heard that one before. They are good with their culinary skills. Faux sure, okay? They are definitely... Cooking is one of my... That, for me, that's therapy. That's one of my favorite things in the world to do. Most people nowadays... Do you know anyone who cooks? I know like three people. Most people, they go out. They order out. They order out. You know, they go to the, the takeout or the fast food. Fast food is like the... Uh, you know, the, 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 the sentence of all holy death. I mean... Nothing good will come from that. And that's all people eat nowadays is like fast food. I cook every night. A full meal every night. I love it. I look forward to it all day long. I prepare for it. I think about it. I experiment. My breakfasts, they're pretty uh, complicated, even on work days. Lunch, I have... uh, I, I, I prepare lunches the night before, but like real lunches. I'll make like quinoa. And uh, some Bosque fish dish that I put on top of it with homemade uh, black beans or pinto beans with uh, you know special salads and all kinds of stuff. I, I, there's nothing in the world like making your own dish. It, it clears the head. It definitely clears the head. So yeah, this, uh, this author, whatever her name is, she's definitely right on that note. Says Johaiborn's a perfectionist, I guess. To some extent, right? Is there such a thing? Perfectionist? We like to think so. We all think we're right. We all think we're geniuses. <laughs> they make good managers. But their super organizing skills can get annoying. Okay. Right there, that's the first uh, that's the first flaw in this organizing skills I have about my organizing skills are about as good as I don't even have a good analogy for that because I have none there's no organizing skills <laughs> all right that's funny financial security is important to July borns well that's ambiguous financial security is probably important to everybody even a hippie needs financial security so they could buy themselves some more pot right Steal it. Um, they work hard, yes. Yeah, we work hard all the time. <clears throat> Great with kids, yes. 
Um, however, they may need to learn to never mention the past or depression may take over. Who's not depressed in this society? A society of smartphones, crappy internet service, you know, uh, <clears throat> globalization. No matter where you go on the planet nowadays, you have, you see, you see like uh, Michael Jordan t-shirts and you're listening to like, uh, you know, Limp Biscuit in, in Senegal. It's crazy. Culture's disappearing. I don't understand it. Why would you want everywhere to be the same? We have the same here. Why do we want to go to uh, the Seychelles uh, and and it to be like, you know, uh, Greenwich Village? I mean, I I I was stumped. I mean, it, it baffles me. I don't understand it. The whole world, it's gone insane. No matter where you go, you have to deal with the same problems. Humans, they all have the same problems. And with the Western diet, you have even more problems because everyone's you know, obese with diseases, with diabetes and heart, congestive heart failure. You know, puts them in a bad mood, their feet smell. I mean, there's no escaping it. It's getting worse. And you have like the uh, the overpopulation. Who was I listening? I was listening to some guys. They were talking about overpopulation, and they could. They said that all the whole world can be that everybody can fit into the state of Texas, and everybody can have their own individual house in the state of Texas. All like eight billion people. Imagine the stink and crime that would be going on if all eight billion people were living in Texas. God, I couldn't imagine. It'd be like Andersonville, you know. On, on speed, on acid. It would be a nightmare. Cosmopolitan nightmare. The world's becoming a cosmopolitan nightmare. Heck, go down to the rural south. Nowadays. It's no different, is it? Everywhere you go, they're clearing land. Chopping up the farms. Subdivisions. Subdivisions and more subdivisions. You know, there's no more culture anymore. It's all going away. <clears throat> you go to... Uh, you go down to some small piney flats, Tennessee, or some unknown place that no one's ever heard of, and uh, half the town has like a Queens accent. You know, it's it's amazing. So anyway, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, <clears throat> the uh, so July, July babies, July babies. We're all we know each other. We're we have a special connection. Qualities that best describe July-born individuals. Steady, stable, lovable, charming, warm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that hits like... Oh, that, that, that's pretty much... Uh, that's pretty much every definition you can think of right there. They can channel their energies into music or singing. Or opt to be an artist. Okay. I love music. I can't hold a note with a lick. Can't draw. Well, I don't think so anyway. Naturally attracted to people. Yeah. No, that's that's not true either. They're a great success with family members. Children always see them as someone who's a lot of fun and has interesting facts to pass on. 
Faux sure. I will second that. We are an interesting lot. Interesting coterie of Schmendricks. <clears throat> so it's it, it's a uh, it's a month that if you're lucky enough to be born in it, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, then you're probably bitter right now. You've already turned off the station, and you're looking for you know a uh, a January birthday. You know, cold, stagnant, hollow. No offense to you, January birthdays. I think Ernest Hemingway was a uh, July birthday. I'd have to. I'd have to Google that to find out. Here's another one of my favorite writers. The sun also rises. <clears throat> I'm telling you, you, you just know. You just know these things. We have a, uh, we have a way of giving off endorphins that other July, uh, that are like magnets to the other ones. So I might I might read another Hunter S. Thompson book tonight because I enjoyed Songs of the Doom so much. I'll sit and read a book all night. I don't. It doesn't put me to sleep like it does most people. Some people will start reading, and immediately they uh, they're asleep. Five minutes later, you know, turn on YouTube to watch it all night. I don't know why that is. I turn on YouTube, I fall asleep. I'm just the opposite. The words they keep me awake. They rattle around in my head. You know, like uh. Like marbles. I can't sleep after I read a book. Then I'm thinking about it. Trying to figure it all out. Put myself in the, into, into the books. Some of my favorite books to read are like the travelogues. The, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the travelogues of like uh, Paul Thoreau. Um, Mark Twain's Innocence Abroad. That was a great one. There, even Bill Bryson, Walk in the Woods. A lot of great travel literature out there. And um, I was thinking about a trip I took some years ago. Went down to Brazil, and um, we, for some reason, were on a bus. We had been in Rio, and we were headed somewhere out into the jungle of Brazil. And I don't remember the name of the town we were headed to. But it was off the beaten path. It was probably not where we should have gone. Heavily, a heavy drug smuggling area, very seedy, very shady. There's some questionable characters on, on the bus with us. It was like we were the only Euros, the only uh, non locals. Everyone else was like Brazilian, Indian, or pirate of some kind. Chickens running underneath the seats, crapping on our feet. And at one point, we get to uh, this kind of like a little hut in the middle of the jungle. It's like a pothole dirt road. These soldiers come out of the bushes, stop the bus. One gets on. He's wearing a helmet. He's got his gun, grenades on his belt, camo. Comes up to us, points to us three, me, my sister, and this other girl, and he's like, uh, you know, like, get off. Yeah, we're thinking, like, do we? Or do we fight and get dragged off? So, uh, he has a gun. Let's get off. We get off. We're figured that's it. You know, this bus is going to peel off. We're never going to be heard from again. They take us up this little dirt path to this hut that you can barely see from the road. Bars in the windows. Uh, there were like two building, two outbuildings. They stick us in this one. <clears throat> Close the door. Bar, you know, a light bulb hanging from the ceiling. A table. Like a 
one chair. I guess it was like two chairs, two of us sat, one stood. And uh, <clears throat> we're thinking, oh my God, what is happening here? My sister's like, oh my God, I'm so scared. I'm like, you should be. We're out in the middle of the jungle with a bunch of like young, probably peyote-fueled uh, soldiers who haven't seen a woman in six months. Yeah, you should be very scared, right? And uh, the guy, this one guy comes in, he's like the captain, the leader of this coterie of goons. And he's, uh, you know, grizzly beard, kind of curly, sweatied hair, um, pot belly. He looks like trouble. And uh, he looks at us. And he's talking in Portuguese. We have no idea what he's saying. Then he starts talking in broken English. Like, what are you doing? Where, where are you going? Where are we going? <clears throat> kind of stupid question is that? It's like the, the road, the only place that the road, this road goes to is like where we're going. It doesn't fork anywhere. It doesn't turn. There's, it's one town to that town. There's only one place we're going. So this idiot's asking us a, question, you know, a rhetorical question takes our stuff, dumps it all out into the table. They're going, rifling through it. I know they're looking for like drugs, like we're really, you know, drug smokers, come on. They just were picking on us because they don't, they didn't want to have to deal with any real smugglers, right? And uh, they take our passports, which, you know, I think when you're traveling, it's like you never give up your passport because if you do, you know, you're giving up your exist your, your identity. That's like your that's not like your lifeline. That's your ticket out. But they got a hold of ours and left the room. The guy left the room, and we're sitting there. We're like, it's a like a hundred and ten degrees in this little room. We're sweating. We're dying with thirsty. Our stuff's all over the table. Some of it's on the floor. We're being guarded by these angry looking 13 year olds with guns and like hair on their lip I mean it was just a bad scene a bad situation we had a bad feeling and uh, after a little bit the guy comes back in gives us the, 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 the passports and he's like clean up you know put our stuff back in the suitcase there was no folding, man. We just grabbed it. We shoved it in there. We left this little hut back out into the dirt trail. And unbelievably, that bus was still there. Why that bus driver didn't take off, I'll never know. I guess he thought that gringos will give a better tip than the locals. I probably gave him like a giant tip of reals, reals whatever they're called. Because, uh, But I don't remember. <clears throat> we got back on. We're sitting in our seats. We're all perspiring. We're all just, you know, expended. I mean, our mental fatigue was just through the roof. You know, you go through um, in a situation that's rather frightening. You can imagine soldiers like on a battlefield after just one battle. These guys do entire tours, and you wonder why they have issues when they get back. You know that for us, that was like probably five minutes, ten minutes. Uh, of terror you know and uh, we got to this little small town 
in the mountains of Brazil. And, uh, you know, our summer is their winter, right? So it went from like this hot, steamy jungle to like this fairly chilly mountain town. That night, it was freezing. It was so cold. <clears throat> but we had gone out and we'd gotten some hooch. some We had wine and whatever else. This one wool blanket that we cuddled under. No hot water in this place. It was a complete dump. And uh, it was like this little hostel hotel type place. Um, I'm sure there was a lock in the door. There were times we stayed in places that didn't have them. But that <clears throat> that was a that was an awesome experience. We had a lot of fun though. Hung out there for a couple days in this little town before finding our way back to civilization. Surviving yet another trip abroad putting ourselves in a situation that we most likely wouldn't want to want, wouldn't want to go through a second time and um, we just ate a lot of really great food drank insane amounts of alcohol we were I don't know if we were on I can't remember how old I was back then maybe I was 20 maybe I was 24 who knows <clears throat> and um but when you don't, you know, you're, you're dependent on the public transportation. You don't have a car. And that makes it harder. I don't think I like that as much. Now, in, at my age, I'd rather just be able to, like, rent a car and be able to move at will instead of being dependent on, say, trains or public transportation or buses that break down all the time, taxis that break down, people that rip you off, get on the train, you know, they find a way into your suitcase and steal like your valuables which happened to us in France <clears throat> um, but the trips are definitely worth it definitely important to get out there um, Mark Twain used to call it like getting out into uh, like the territory or something like that Innocence Abroad he was talking about it and uh, which is one of my favorite books and he went all over the world, experienced life in the 1800s firsthand before the cultural, you know, the glo before globalization, before everything became homogenized, became the same. <clears throat> so anyway, it was it was quite an eventful night. I did a lot of thinking. I did a lot of reading. I'm exhausted right now. Eight shots of espresso. My heart's about to explode. And um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I appreciate everybody uh, for taking the time to uh, listen. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And to all you other July birth babies out there and all of you other ones, I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. Stay out of trouble. Go out and get yourself a good book. Read a little bit more, and uh, you might be able to uh, postpone that uh, technological depression that seems to be washing over the society like, like waves, like giant waves. Ciao.